Alleluia. Christ is ascended. He is ascended indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The church is a mess. She's fractured. The number of different denominations and independent churches is in the thousands. She's been rocked with scandal after scandal, financial, sexual, and others. Unbelievers look at the church and see division, turmoil, confusion. They see a church that has lost her way. A church that follows the culture instead of leading people to the truth. A church that has lost her voice and instead of faithful proclamation parrots the latest fads, flights, and fancies of men. Not all churches, of course, but those outside the church make no distinction. We're all the same to them. A mess. And we add to that mess. When we don't act very Christian, when we court the favor of men instead of seek the blessing of God, when we who bear the name of a loving Savior hold grudges and refuse to forgive, when we fail to love and love what we shouldn't, when we remain silent when we should speak, and speak when we should remain silent. When what we believe and how we live look as different as night and day. What's a world to think? And yet as great a mess as the church may be. The church is beautiful at the same time. With the beauty of holiness. Not because we've made her holy. Clearly that's not the case. We haven't, can't, and never will. She is holy because Jesus has washed her. Because Jesus has washed his bride, cleansing her with his blood and making her spotless. Without wrinkle, stain, or blemish. He welcomes home his prodigal bride with his restoring forgiveness. Now clearly, this is an article of faith, not of sight. I believe in, not see, one holy Christian church, we say in the creed. Now, if that is so, and it is, then you too are beautiful in the eyes of your heavenly bridegroom. When he looks at you, he sees not your great and many sins, your failures, your shortcomings, your weakness. He sees his beloved he sees the one he traded his life for. He sees a righteous one 
For you bear his righteousness, his gift to you. Even if you don't feel holy and special, you are. Even if you don't look spotless and perfect, you are. For Jesus has made you so. This too, clearly not of sight or sense, but of faith. But now this beautiful bride lives in a world once created good, but now a mess too. A world filled with war, hatred, death, selfishness, and greed. A world of lust, not love. A world which devours, uses, abuses, and has become a mere shadow of the perfection it once was. A world that doesn't ask what's good, but what's legal. And then shapes that according to its own desires. A world that doesn't know beauty anymore, but only its ever-changing vision of pretty and sexy. A world where technology may be advancing, but morality is declining. A world where technology meant to unite instead divides. A world not evolving and getting better and more united, but devolving into a chaotic confusion. We add to this mess too. Though we should know better. No wonder. No wonder Jesus prays for his church. As we heard today. That we may be one. Not just united. But one. Not just coexisting. But one. Not just many parts stuffed together. But one. Not with a oneness of our own making. Which is really no oneness at all. Even though we may call it that. But as Jesus says, a oneness in him. That united to Jesus, we be united to one another. That what unites us be not what we happen to have in common now for a time. And which we may not have in common later. But that we are united in him. In his body. People with nothing in common with each other but sin, now united in forgiveness. Each of us united to Jesus in baptism makes us more than mere acquaintances, but family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Perfectly one in Him. So in this world that seems to be more and more spinning apart and falling apart in the midst of all this division and mess, Jesus is gathering and uniting us through his spirit, bringing young and old, 
Sinners of all shapes and sizes, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, people of all different ethnic groups, bringing us all together here in his church and making us one. Sometimes we see that in our world after a tragedy happens. But that unity only lasts as long as the next controversy or news cycle. But in Jesus, he is making us truly one. What oneness for time and eternity. His prayer being answered. And as we heard, he does that through his word. The word preached And the word given in water, words, and bread, and wine. The word that makes one out of many. Brings order out of chaos. Speaks only the truth. And cleans up our messed up lives and world with his forgiveness. All of us baptized into one Savior. Like many grains baked into one loaf. Many grapes crushed into one cup. Just as all of our sins were heaped upon one Savior, upon one cross, in one atonement. So that we can sit here today and speak with one voice. Confessing not many truths, but one truth. And praising one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's a gift. A gift that we should not take lightly. A gift Jesus laid down his life for. To provide that gift for the world. For you. And then a gift the apostles and martyrs laid down their lives for. Because there was nothing else in this world like that. Nothing else in this world that could compare to that. The oneness, the love, the forgiveness, the hope. That we have in Jesus. That gift. That is what Joseph. Also called Barsabbas. Also called Justice. And Matthias received. That enabled them to join the twelve. These two as we heard. Were not newcomers on the scene. They had accompanied the twelve. Through all the ministry of Jesus, beginning from his baptism by John until his ascension. They heard his teaching, they saw the miracles, they saw him dead, they saw him alive and resurrected. So they were and could be witnesses. Because they were witnesses. They were the eyewitnesses and the ear witnesses of all Jesus did and said. But between these two, it was not a competition. For who could be that twelfth apostle? There was no campaigning. There would be no victory party. Because when that lot tumbled out of the jar with Matthias' name on it, it was his death sentence. He knew it. He'd heard Jesus say that. That if the world hated him, it would hate them. His persecution would be turned upon them. 
that those who killed him would think they were offering a service to God by killing them. He'd heard it. He knew it. And it happened. And still, Matthias let his name be put into that jar. Would you? But what Matthias and Joseph, Barsabbas, Justice for that matter too, what they knew, what enabled them to do this, was that they had already died. Baptism joins us to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Those aren't just words. Baptism makes us one with him. In him. So his death is our death. And his resurrection, our resurrection in baptism. We already have a new life that death cannot end. So we can lay down our lives for others. If this world and life and the few years we have in it is all that we have. And the things of this world, whatever we can get and accumulate for ourselves is all that we have or could hope to have, then yet we got to hold on to these things. This world is then a competition for life, for the most, for the best. And that's why it's such a mess. People fighting for their lives, billions in competition with each other. But what if it weren't? What if it wasn't about what we could get, but what we are given? About gifts. Gifts enough for all. Life enough for all. Would that change things? Of course it would. And it has changed you. Now, don't get me wrong. You're still a mess, as am I. And we still live in a messy church and in a messy world. And yet, in the midst of this messy chaos, there is also a oneness, a unity that we have in Jesus. A oneness that could only be a gift. A oneness given in love and forgiveness. A oneness that makes no earthly sense. And yet it's true. A life not of competition, but to live together with our Savior and with one another. A life that even when we go our separate ways today, we're still one. A life that even when our loved ones pass away, we're still one. That's remarkable. And it's not only what Jesus prayed for. It's what he did. He gave you that life. That oneness. That life, that oneness, that hope, that gift has been our joy this Easter season now coming to a close. Not just Jesus for me and my life. But for us. And our life.
together. One, baptized together, living together, confessing together, feasting here together. Until we come to that day and see what John saw. What we heard in the reading from Revelation today. The very last chapter in the Bible. When we see the the water of life. The throne of God and of the Lamb. The tree of life. The face of God. Quite a different reality than what we have and see today. And so until that day, Jesus is praying for you, for us, for his church, for his bride. And until that day, it's what we pray. That we may be one. That we may all be one. And we pray as we heard, come Lord Jesus. Come to those who do not know you and make them one with us. Come to those who have fallen away and make them one with us. Come to those who have erred or are straying and make them one with us. Come to us and keep us one with you and with one another. Come again in your glory and take us as one to that home, our eternal home. And there... There is no mess, no sin, no evil. Only life. Life eternal. Life as one. So we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.